0: Greetings once again from e Free, Free. Technically, today is the end of this season of podcasting. I don't know how many seasons we're on at this point. I think Jim. this was
1: season two. Is it season that sound two? Right? I is don't know. Two.
0: We'll say it's season two, but we're we're going to take a little bit of a break this summer. I'll be out on sabbatical. There's just other stuff going on, and so it's it's a good time always to kind of take a little bit a little bit of a break over summer. And so this is the series finale of this podcast. There might be some special uh, episodes that we release this summer. Um, but this is so. The stay series. tuned. So stay tuned. This, I, I would imagine we'll probably leave it on a cliffhanger. We got to leave the go. people wanting more. So in August they'll be like, "What was the answer to that question from there Act 17?" Is. Or maybe not. Let's just be realistic. We'll just deal with it today. There will probably be no cliffhanger. But excited to dive in here one last time before we take the the summer off to do a little bit of different stuff. So Act 17, Jim, uh, we are talking about the Thessalonicans or the Thessalonians. They're from Thessalonica and the Bereans. So a tale of two cities. Uh, I think we've usually started, and it's good to start this way today, by just saying what, what stuck out to you the most. And then I know uh, we were talking just briefly before, and you have some questions, which will be great. I'm actually fine either way. If you want to start with the questions, go ahead. Or if you want to start with what stuck out to you, that that's fine either way. Let's just let it go where it goes. Right. So whatever you want to do, Jim, I'm good.
1: Well, I know you started... You, you, you focus a lot of your time on the church in, in Berea. Sure. Which I thought was super encouraging and challenging. I mean, some of the things that you said were encouraging to you were challenging as well. Just the idea of wanting to, um, where it says, where they are examining the scriptures daily, receiving the word with the eagerness. I mean, I think that is always a good reminder of what we want our Bible consumption to look like in our own lives, right? Right. So I found yeah, that absolutely. to be super super great reminder like i feel like i don't know why we always need reminders for that but it does seem like we always need uh those reminders about the the importance and the need of the word the word in our life i thought that was really 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 helpful it, it seems like that's something that
0: we should know right like you know i've been following christ for whatever it is now 23 years like you'd think i would know at this point like the word of god is a treasure and i should treat it as such right but the reality is we do forget, and I think this week, as I was preparing for this, I was challenged just to think about um, the, in particular, I, I thought a lot about that phrase that they received the word with all eagerness um, right to that all eagerness, like not just kind of halfway eager, but they're all they're all the way in on right. their eagerness, they wanted to hear more about Jesus in this case, they wanted to learn more and and for me to not be content or um I don't know if content's the right word, but complacent, maybe that's the, the better word I'm looking for, just complacent and like, okay, I know, I know what I know. Like, But we should always be wanting to know more, and we should always be eager to dive in more. Like, I, I shouldn't ever come to a place where I'm, I'm reading the Scripture, and I'm thinking, well, I've, I've read this particular section ten times. I doubt there's anything right. that's going to come from this. I should dive in with an eagerness every time an excitement to study the Word of God and to learn more, because it is God's Word. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think this passage is about how do we receive the Bible, right? Like, and now in this case, again, I, I was uh, said yesterday, there is a difference in context, right? Like we're talking people who are looking at the Old Testament. Um, That's what they have for the scriptures at that point, right? Right. But they were still valuing it as the Word of God. And that's the part that transfers over to us. Like, are we, are we studying the Word of God? And, you know, I, I think there's some things I would say about that too, that, you know, there's so many people that are trying to make arguments for truth about certain things right now and to study the Scriptures to make sure we know what does the Scripture actually say? What does is, what is, what is God's Word actually say about this issue? That feels like a really important skill to have going forward. Right. So, I mean, I think that's the other thing. So being eager, number one, and number two, just having a desire to study the Scripture and make sure I'm familiar with them so that I can recognize a bad argument when I hear one.
1: Well, I think it's helpful that we all struggle with the eagerness, right? I think sometimes some people can be like, well, I'm the only one that struggles with not being eager and coming to the word. No, I think we all struggle with that. I think sure. that's a universal struggle. And so, like, so it's good to, to, like say, okay, like that's a good prayer, right? Say, okay, God, will you help me be eager? I'm in a dry season right now of my Bible reading. Yeah. Um, I'm not really eager that sometimes we need to come and say, Lord, will you stir affections in me to, because I want to be eager for the word, even though I don't feel very eager for the word. So would you work those things in me?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Cause I, I think maybe it would be easy to get discouraged and think, well, I don't really desire the word like I should. Um, and you know, obviously, if you go a lifetime never desiring the word, well, that is concerning, right? Um, but I think for all of us, there's definitely times where we lack eagerness, and maybe, maybe sometimes it's more than not. Like, right? Um, but I think that's a component of our own sinful nature, and it's a component of the spiritual warfare element that's taking place, and it's a component of the distractions of this world. Um, so I think it's okay to to acknowledge, hey, I'm I'm not eager right now to to receive more of the Word. I'm not eager to go listen to more preaching or whatever the case is. Like, uh, to say, just to be honest about that and say, Lord, please help me to to restore my passion, to restore my eagerness, to restore my zeal. Um, I, I think that's a, a fair and appropriate prayer, right? And probably one that we need to pray fairly frequently.
1: Right. Well, I right. gotta say, let's get to your questions. Well, here. you 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 didn't spend a lot of time in Thessalonica, right? I think I realized that you could have probably preached, you know, a whole lot longer if you wanted to choose to uh, focus on some stuff there. So I'm assuming some things fell off the cutting room floor there in in the first half. So I mean, one of the things that really stood out to me, I'll, I'll kind of start out with that and maybe go into a second uh, a question a little bit later, but just like um, it just seems like this Jason is an interesting guy right? Like that's something that stood out to me. Like they were after Paul uh, and, and whoever was with him at that particular uh, uh, looks like Paul and Silas were there, but yet Paul and Silas obviously aren't at Jason's house. And Jason gets dragged out and kind of gets pulled into the middle of all of this uh, upheaval that is going on in the city at that particular moment. And it would just kind of reminder me that like, you know, just the idea of associating with, Jesus and with people that follow Jesus, that that can lead to some persecution and to be ready for that hmm. and even to be okay with that. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, I would have to think that Jason had to realize, I mean, because they were staying at his house, right?
0: I think we could probably assume that. I don't know that it says that anywhere in yeah. particular, but I think that would be a fair assumption. I mean, otherwise, why would they be attacking the house of Jason unless they just got faulty information? But at one point or another, they probably were staying at his right. house.
1: It says, I mean, it says in verse 7, and, and Jason had received them. So in some form or fashion, they saw that Jason was connected with, with Paul and Silas. Like he put himself at risk for the cause of the gospel just by bringing Paul and Silas in right in some form or fashion of associating with them, being with them. And like, you know, we don't know anything about Jason except for this story right here, but he stood for, for Christ and that this came his way. And I think that just was like, this was a good reminder to say, you know what, to be ready that you may end up getting some unintentional persecution come your way and to not be surprised by that. Hmm. And, and to, to, and to be willing to take that. Oh, that was just something that kind of stood out to me as I was looking over this this portion. I don't know if anything with Jason was came up in your studies or
0: there's not a lot known about him. I mean, really what we know we can probably gather from this passage i think there's a jason that's mentioned elsewhere in the new testament if i remember correctly but there's a little bit of uncertainty if it's the same jason um all that to say i don't think we really know much more than what we see here but i think the points you're raising are are good to think about um i think sometimes like when we see people being persecuted there's probably part of us is like well i'm glad that's not me Um, And I I wonder if sometimes we're being called to perhaps identify more with those who are being persecuted and even being willing to stick our neck out there um, and say, no, I'm with this person. Right. I mean, I'm not like I'm not arguing here for social media engagement because I'm not sure how much good it does. But like I'll just use that as an example. Right. Like there may be a time where some Christian says something and then everybody's attacking them. And I think maybe we just sit back and say, well, glad it's not me, rather right. than saying, no, I agree with this person. Right. Um, so, again, I, I'm not arguing that social media engagement is a super effective means for evangelism or engaging with you know, civil discourse. But I'm just using that as an example that I think sometimes we are unwilling to be the Jasons of the world and say, no, yeah, you can come stay at my house. Like, I'm with you. Right. Like, whatever happens to me, I'm okay with that. Like, clearly, they, they weren't necessarily targeting Jason, right? right? They were targeting Paul and Silas, because right. Paul and Silas are the ones who have to flee. But it ends up costing Jason. Number right. one, it cost him... I mean... costs him some s- money. Well, it did cost some money, right? But right. I was thinking, man, this had to be a really harrowing experience, right? right? Like, people storming
1: your house. Right. I mean... Dragging them out. Yeah. So it makes it sound like this was... and And, you know, it says they're shouting at them, so... There's kind of a a violent scene going on here.
0: I I think sometimes we read the the scriptures or we read the accounts that we see in, in scripture, the narratives, and we just kind of whitewash them or like tone them down like... Like we think, oh, you know, like a few guys who are just kind of like knocking on their door. Hey, can you bring out Paul and Silas? But that's not really the picture right. that's given here, right? right. Like, I mean, they have take wicked men, like they're re- actively recruiting wicked men of the rabble. Now, other translations don't say the rabble. But the idea is they're actively recruiting these wicked men to form a mob, to start a riot. And then they're heading to house and storming the house. I think that's maybe the language that's even used if I'm... Uh, something that made me think: attack the house. Okay, so they attack the house of Jason, right? Like, that is not passive language. They're attacking the house of Jason. They're dragging people out. I mean, this is this had to be a really traumatic experience. And right. so you're right. Like, there was a financial cost in the end too. Like, the Jason ponies up some form of security. Right. So I, I think there is something to be said for, you know, maybe maybe you're not the person on the front line who's taken all the bullets but maybe you can participate too in, in helping that person who's taking the bullets to relieve some of the pressure To say, yeah, you can stay in my house. Right. Yeah. If, there, if there's a fine, I'll help you. Um, I, I think maybe, maybe there's something to be learned from Jason that we probably dismiss and not really think about, but I, I think he is a, a a good side character that maybe we can give mm-hmm. some more attention to.
1: Well, and even, even to think maybe to pull back that picture a little bit, uh, a little bit further back to get a bigger picture that even though there's, I mean, there's some rabble rousers in Thessalonica, right? You yeah. know that they, they follow him to Berea, even if yeah, sure. so upset. And yet, there's a church in Thessalonica, right? Because we have First and Second Thessalonians. Yeah,
0: it's not the last we hear of it. Yeah.
1: So, so there's a so even there's an idea that there's a group of Jasons that even though Paul and Silas had to leave this town because of these rabble rousers, there is a church that grew and flourished because Paul wrote two letters to them that even though you could like you you, it like if you just read verses one through nine you kind of go oh man that sounded like that was kind of a failed
0: thessalonica bombed right right
1: right. and yet it didn't because we have things like first and second thessalonians to say there is a church here and it grew even though there was a lot of persecution within that town there were still good things happening in this town too at the same time and
0: that's good
1: that just thinking of that yesterday caused me to to think of that.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. Well. I like that. Okay. So what's your, what's your other question? All right, so this? here's my
1: question in verse two into the verse three, it says, you know, Paul went in as his custom. And on the three Sabbath day, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to be raised from the dead. Okay. So here's my question in this point. So reasoning from the scriptures, he's looking at the old Testament. Cause that's mm-hmm. all he had. Hmm. There were prophecies, and I think, so there were prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. Okay. There's prophecies in the Old Testament about a suffering servant, Mm -hmm. like Isaiah 53, uh, Psalm 22. Okay. Um, But yet, so what I had heard or what I've been taught before is that in the mind of the Jewish people at that time, those were two separate people.
0: The suffering servant and the... Who? Christ.
1: Okay. And the Christ Messiah were two different people. And that's why people struggled so much with seeing Jesus, who he was, because he didn't come to be a king like David. He came to be the Messiah by being the suffering servant that went to the cross. And that's what confounded the Jews so much, because they couldn't see that all those prophecies were about one person. Okay. And not two. Right. So my question is, is, do you think this is what Paul was doing here was Paul and and then is, this is what got the Jews so upset in Thessalonica that Paul was saying that Jesus is both of these at the same time, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus is also the suffering servant because he came to do both of these things. And that that would call cause the Jewish people to be upset. I didn't know if any of any of your studies. and and reading things had had made that connection or talked about that at all, or if I'm reading in between the lines, because I don't want to read too much into Scripture uh, as well. So that was just, I don't know, that was the question that was kind of swirling in my head looking at that this week.
0: Yeah, that's good. First of all, let me just say this by way of kind of a broad statement. I think we're so unfamiliar with the Old Testament that it's really hard for us to understand how, Paul or anyone like Paul would make an argument from the Old Testament regarding Messiah. <coughs> Excuse me. So I think I think um, we underestimate how much they were steeped in the Old Testament scriptures right, right. and how much they were familiar with it. Right. Um, and you know, Jesus on the road to May is how he's explaining that you know the Christ would suffer and be raised. Like so, in terms of the connection, like yeah, the, they may have thought again. The two categories you used were suffering servant. What's the other category? Messiah. Okay. Yeah. Christ. Yeah, I think I think it's entirely possible that you're right, that they, they thought the suffering servant of, say, Isaiah 53 was not the Christ. Is that what you're suggesting? Correct. Correct. Sure. I think that's possible. I think it's, it's hard for us to know exactly what Paul's arguing here in terms of specifics. But right. what we do know from what it tells us is that he's arguing that the Scriptures said right. that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer— and to rise from the dead. So, at the very least, he's making a connection between Christ and suffering. Correct. Okay, so I think we can at least say he was making that connection. So, right. I, I don't think it's probably too big of a leap to say that he was making a connection that Christ would be, therefore, the suffering servant. Right. But we can say safely that he was making the connection that the Christ would suffer and that the Christ would be raised from the dead. So, that's interesting, too, right? That he's using the Old Testament to make this argument that the Messiah would be raised, excuse me, raised from the dead. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say more than what we read here, but right. I don't think it's a huge leap to say that there would be a connection made between the suffering servant and the Messiah, when he clearly is saying that the Messiah had to suffer. Right, And the Messiah had to be raised from the dead, right. and therefore, because Jesus suffered, because Jesus rose from the dead, you, I, I think that seems to be the, mm-hmm. the chain of logic here, right? Like mm-hmm. That Jesus fulfilled those scriptures that said mm-hmm. the Messiah had to suffer and be raised from the dead. And as Jesus suffered and rose from the dead, you can be confident he is the Messiah. That seems to right. be the general gist of his argument. Right.
1: Right. And that Jesus is one in the same. That Jesus is this Christ. Well, Jesus is the Christ, right? And like, he is the, the one. The Messiah that and
0: Jesus are not two different people. Right. They are right. Jesus is the Christ, right? right? Like that's the argument that he's making. Right. And to your point, and this is this is important, in Thessalonica, some did receive this well, right? right. Like it, there is a church that thrives there. There is a church that he ends up writing a letter to. So I think there is clearly a tangible difference between Berea and Thessalonica. I mean, he even says that the people of Berea are more noble, right? right? So we're—I don't think we're drawing this contrast out of thin air here. But at the same time, we don't want to downplay that there is a, there are some people who respond here, right? And it's interesting. Th- this is something I didn't talk about a lot yesterday, but it's interesting that in both cities, he he specifically mentions some prominent women. Hmm. Verse four. Some of them are persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Verse 12, many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So uh, I think there's, there's two things to say about that. One, it it, it reminds us here that Luke is trying to be an accurate purveyor of history. Um, Mm -hmm. Because in the first century, the idea that women would be prominently involved would not be something that would normally be mentioned. So Luke is giving us, well, The reason he's saying this is it really happened. But two, I do think it helps us to see the inclusive nature of the gospel. Um, Now, I want to be careful to clarify what I mean by that. The gospel is exclusive in that, first of all, only those who turn to Christ can be saved, and and, um, it's exclusive in the sense that it's only for those who respond to the message, okay? So we're not talking about universalism here, right? Um, and we're not talking about, you know, all religions lead to the same place. But it is it is inclusive in the sense that it's freely offered to all people. And in this case we're clicking two pretty good two pretty big categories here, right? We're talking both Greeks, in other words non-Jewish people, and women. Like so this is not this is not a religion that's just for Jewish men. Right. Um, you know, obviously Jesus disciples, like the the 12 apostles were men, but there were Everywhere you go in the New Testament scriptures, even at the tomb, right? Like, women are some of the first ones at the tomb. Right. And so we shouldn't make the mistake of thinking, well, it was only only men who were following Jesus. No, that's not the case at all. There were, in fact, you go back to the last chapter in Lydia. And in fact, the fact that they're gathered outside by this river, there's no synagogue in... Uh, where was that? That was in... Philippi, right? There was no synagogue, mm-hmm. at least it doesn't seem like there was. They find a place of gathering outside by the river, and it's just a few women, it seems like, that are there. Like, that indicates, again, like, the the gospel has this inclusive nature that's for all people. And so I think I think we want to be careful to point that out and say this is unique, actually, amongst religions of the day that this would be highlighted, number one. And number two, it does show that the Christianity has a radically different way of looking at women than other religions. And I think a way of elevating women and saying this is a beautiful thing that they were part of, uh, part of following Jesus as well. Yeah, that is
1: good news for sure. No doubt about it. All right anything else you want to talk about I think those are those are the things it's a it's man, it's you know <laughs> Paul and Silas they're on the run, aren't they? I mean, they're on the run from Thessalonica they're on the run from Berea too, right I mean, they keep having to get out of town and yet they keep persevering, yeah, and keep pressing on right like they've gotten i mean it seems like almost every town they've been in that we've looked at. Uh, since, what, back in Acts, what, 16 and then 14. there It just seems like they're always on the run.
0: Yeah. And the, and the opposition they're facing is, is really serious, right? I yeah. mean, I, and again, I think it's indicated in two ways in this passage. One, you just see kind of the, the mob, the dragging out of the house, all that. Like, that's, that's pretty serious. But then the fact they're willing to travel to Berea to persecute. Again, I would just say I, th- I think sometimes we get really bent out of shape thinking that Christians are getting mistreated, um, yeah. and you know it's it's okay. Like I, I, you know, I think even with Paul and citizens, I think it's okay to advocate for our rights as citizens. I'm not I'm not saying hey, you know, let's just you know suffer and take it. Like that's not what I'm saying. Like I think we can advocate for our our um, liberties as Christians. I, I, I'm all for that as an American citizen. But. I think I think we need to remember that being persecuted is not new, and it's right. not like we're experiencing something that has never been experienced before. Um, to my knowledge, no one in our church has ever been accosted by a mob and dragged from their house into the streets. Yep. Never been run out of town, beaten with rods, or stoned, yep. or you know, I could go on and on here. So far, of what we've already read in the Book of Acts, right? And so, I think maybe we just need to. I think sometimes we speak in big hyperbole. Oh, this is unprecedented that Christians would be treated this way. Well, okay, no, right. like, that's not true. Like, and so I think we just, maybe we need to try to step back historically. And I know, I know sometimes there's a, I don't know, some people think, well, history is ancient. It doesn't really do that much good. But actually there's some help in reflecting on, okay, this is the way things were. It's, it's not so discouraging if, if we face persecution again, because they got through it. Right. God gave them the strength.
1: They right. kept persevering. They kept going. They didn't and stop.
0: Here's the thing. Whatever we're afraid of, and maybe there are legitimate things to be afraid of, I would just say we can take courage from the book of Acts that God will give us the strength in the moment to get right. through what we need to get through. Right. And so whatever it is that maybe, you know, I, I know there's an election tomorrow, and I know there's this going on in the country, and, you know... I mean, here's the thing, like, we could we could take the headlines of today, and we could go back four years, or eight years, or six years, or five years, and we would find troubling headlines back then, too, like, and I'm not advocating that things, in my perspective, aren't getting worse, I think they are for Christians, but what I'm right. just saying is, there's really nothing new under the sun, and so maybe, maybe we need to relax, and trust God, and realize He'll give us the strength to get through whatever it is that we're going to go through.
1: Yeah, 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 that's a good word.
0: All right, well, Jim, is there anything you'd like to say in this final series finale before season two ends? It's not the series finale, I should say. It's the season finale. So the season finale, yes. season two, is there anything that has just been itching at you this whole season that you just <laughs> want to get off your chest? Do we need to air any grievances today? Yeah. Or do you have any questions that have just been gnawing away at you?
1: Well, maybe we'll, we'll say this. At, at some point in time, we've had a couple of questions come in uh, for the podcast. So sometime this summer, we will drop a question and answer mini series.
0: Oh, look at that. A little cliffhanger for, I might bring
1: in one or two, uh, guest speakers, uh, to fill in and, and we'll work on. So keep checking the podcast probably won't be until June, but, uh, or maybe July, but that'll keep our audiences on on pins and needles wondering when is that going to drop Oh
0: yeah I'm sure they'll be checking daily to find out and then they'll be waiting anxiously for season 3 I have no question Here there go. And So go ahead
1: And then I hope you have a great and restful and enjoyable sabbatical
0: Yeah I appreciate that I think it'll be a different season for me it'll be a different season for our family but I'm I'm hopeful that God will use it in some really powerful ways and I'm I'm a I'm excited for the church too. Like, I think it's going to be good. Like, this this church is not built on any one person. Um, You know, the reality is like we're all indispensable. Like, the only one who's or we're all dispensable. That's what I mean to say. We're all dispensable. The only one who's indispensable is Jesus. And so, I'm excited for the church to be able to hear from other people this summer on preaching. I think that'll be good. We're still going through the Book of Acts. It's still going to be the Word of God. Yep. And so, I think it'll be good for our church too. So, I I think it'll be good. Uh, I'm excited about it. What, so one, one last personal question here. I know we don't go personal that often, but I'm going to ask you a personal question. Oh, boy. I know you're a little anxious right now. What's he going to ask? But I, I just, you know, you have a son who's graduating this week. I, I just want to know, how is, that, how is that resonating with you? Like, what, what emotions are you feeling? Because I'm only a few years away myself. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what's that process been like for you? How are yeah. you processing that as a dad, as a Christian? How are you thinking through that? Jim? Wow.
1: Um, so, wow. So for me, there's already a lot of mixed emotions. I mean, last night I was working on a, on a slideshow that we'll have like on a, on a TV or or our desktop as people are coming in. And, you know, I was looking at pictures when Joel was, was little and, you know, his whole life. And so that was, uh, that was more emotional than I thought it was going to be for me. I would imagine think that, you know, the, 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 you know, I don't know how many times I've said the old saying, you know, that the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. And I am, I'm seeing that to realize that, wow, this is his last week of, 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 of high school. And I I told him last night, I said, I said, I said, Joel enjoy these last few days, like be all in the moment, like enjoy it and take it all in. And I was probably telling myself that a little bit too, to like and mandy told me this a lot she said she said she said jim he's gonna be gone before you know it so enjoy the moments that you have and i think we did a pretty good job of that i don't know if you could ever say oh we did it great but enjoy the moments whether you have you know a freshman a sophomore a junior and know that even that- a third
0: grader or a kindergarten right like i yeah. mean they just go by fast yeah, yeah
1: the senior year goes goes really really fast and all of a sudden you're staring at the fact that next week is graduation and then you have this summer and then we're shipping them off to college um and so that's there's a lot of letting go there so just to uh enjoy the moment don't put off tomorrow what you could probably have done today yeah um and to really enjoy those moments and i also realize like i've probably done more parenting with joel in this last year i mean he you know, he even came to me a week ago and said, hey, I really want to get your advice on something. So that was pretty cool to have that moment with yeah. him to say, yeah, let me kind of, you know, that he was asking me to speak into it. And so I see that our role is already starting to shift a little bit in that right. regards. And so that's pretty cool to see, like, you know, um, all the hard work does pay off. Hmm. So don't give up. Don't yeah. give up. Um, and I know there will still be in the next four years of college, there'll be a lot of parenting still that will take place, even though we won't see him every day. Um, so, yeah, a lot of mixed emotions of, of proud and excited and a little sad. And, uh, yeah, just all of that there together. Do you
0: anticipate that the most emotional moment for you will be graduation itself or dropping him off at college? Or do you not know it all? Do you All
1: of the above. All the above? I will probably be the emotional one anyway. Yeah. Um, because even – I thought it would just be shipping him off. But last night when I was putting all that together made me realize, yeah, this will be emotional all the way around for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's normal. I, I have no doubt that – I'm going to be emotional when the time comes, I can already feel it and I'm still three years away. So yeah. I, I would imagine that will be a weird process. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. I mean, I think, I think the, the word of advice there for all of us is that the time really is limited. And yeah. I I know we think we have forever um, because the, the days are long. Right. And it feels like, uh, how are we going to get through this week? Let alone like right. how are we going to get through how many ever years you have left? Right. But the reality is it goes quickly. Um, and you know, aside from even parenting, that's true of life in general, isn't it? That yeah. you know, here here I am forty two almost. Um I always have to remind myself what year what year is this? Twenty twenty two, born nineteen eighty. So I'm forty one, I'll be forty two later this year. Like you know, i if if I'm realistic, I'm I'm probably turned the corner on to the back nine here of the golf course. Um and so it goes fast. And I think yeah. we want to make the most of it. Um I, the things that we tend to get wrapped up around it's probably just worth asking you know will we care about this a thousand years from now um and probably most of the stuff that we really get worked up about the answer is no and that probably puts in perspective the things that we should care about right and you know i think our, our kids and investing in them is one of the things that we will care about yeah. and so yeah we, I'm, I'm i'm hopeful for you that this week will be um memorable and yeah. that
1: you and you and joel will have some good memories even this last summer yeah. before he heads off to college yeah be intentional That's what I would say. Be intentional. Not only in their daily lives, but spiritually be intentional. Have good spiritual conversations. Um, Yeah, be intentional.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to end season two. So I I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I think it's good sometimes for us to talk about more personal stuff. Although, obviously, it's good to get in the Word of God, too. So next week, if you're curious, we are going through Acts 17, 16 through 34. We're finishing Acts chapter 17. It's actually a really interesting passage, in part because Paul approaches his evangelism so differently in Athens than he did in, say, Thessalonica or Berea. And so look forward to talking about that next week. Uh, Not on the podcast, but just on Sunday morning. (laughs) Uh, And in the meantime, I, I hope you have a great week, and you keep looking up, keep pursuing Christ. It's worth it.
1: And have a good summer.